welcome to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. Stay tuned for an analysis and conversation about the issues that matter most to you and your family. Here now with this week's edition of News in Focus is Chris Long. And good afternoon and welcome to this edition of News in Focus. We're glad that you've joined us. Well, the Summer Olympics are well underway in Japan, and of course, uh, it's a little different this year as there isn't uh, spectators there, but everybody's watching on TV and uh, rooting on their athletes uh, from around the world, and of course, the nations from around the world that are participating, and of course, we in the U.S. are rooting on Team USA. Well, this last week, there was a young 17-year-old, Lydia Jacoby, who wins gold in the 100-meter breaststroke, and she was uh, an underdog but came uh, through to win gold. And here is the audio of her town in Alaska uh, rooting her on from uh, watching on TV. Let's go to that clip. And they're celebrating in Seward, Alaska, a watch party there at the Del Lindsay Railroad Terminal. They're packed in, cheering on the 17-year-old. Not exactly your hotbed of swimming, Alaska. Jacoby's, Jacoby's parents are at the watch party in Orlando, Leslie and Richard. Well, that was the watch party up there in Alaska, the little town in which uh, Lydia Jacoby is from. And, of course, she was the 17-year-old that shocked uh, uh, the Olympics in winning that 100 meters uh, breaststroke in the women's um, uh, swim event. So congratulations to her. And, again, uh, that's what we root for in the Olympics. Uh, we're looking for our, uh, those athletes of our nations to do well and respect our flag. And that's what uh, Lydia, of course, and other athletes, Athletes are doing. Uh, let's not pay any attention to those people who are doing otherwise, and that's very unfortunate. And I think it's really sad. In the end of the day, it's a it's a bad onus on those uh, athletes who want to draw attention to themselves, thinking that they're trying to raise a cause when really they're there to represent their nation, and of course to represent uh, the red, white, and blue in the USA. And this is a prime example of it in little Lydia Jacoby. And of course, you can hear just the excitement in her hometown who couldn't be there in Japan because of no the COVID-19 restrictions in the Olympic uh, Village and, and uh, the participation, but they certainly were giving the cheers out at home. Well, that brings me to today's discussion. We're going to be talking about an important book. It's called Nations Are God's Idea, Exposing and Countering the Assault on Sovereignty. And we see that today here in this country as the southern border is wide open, not just to people from Central America, but as recent reports have it, people are flooding over the border as our public officials are not doing anything to mitigate the human crisis. They're coming in from all over the world. And in in fact, nefarious and criminal elements are coming across that border as well. It's very frightening. We're going to talk about how nations are God's idea with the author, uh, J- Pastor Jim Tasker, but I want to read about the book. The, the book says this, 
nation's uh, sovereignty. An integral part of God's plan of protecting well-being for people is being assaulted all over the Western world. Nations are God's idea, exposes the insulting forces, well-funded, well-positioned ideological agitators and their deceived, uh, willing accomplices manipulating and weaponizing every area of concern, climate, gender, immigration, property, poverty, race, and using every cultural outlet to advantage the agitators, seek to deceive, divide, and overwhelm, and conquer. Where is God in all this? What is he doing, and what is he calling his church to do? With me on the phone is the author of the book. That's Jim Tasker, and uh, Pastor, welcome to the program. Thank you very much, Chris. I appreciate the opportunity to be on with you. Well, I want to read a little bit about you, too, on uh, about the author. He is a semi-retired priest of the Anglican Church of North America. He has a Bachelor's of Science in Biblical Education from Columbia uh, Bible College, now Columbia International University, a Master's of Divinity degree from uh, Gordon Cornwell uh, Conwell Theological Seminary and a Doctor of Ministry degree from Fuller Theological Seminary. Uh, Jim, we're so glad that uh, you're on the program with us, and this is a great book. I've been reading it, and I, I tell you, you've really brought out some great insights. Uh, tell us about the book. Well, first of all, let me let me tell you how the book came about. Um, this, this has been a, was was an eight year project, um, and um, it came about it came out of my devotions. It came out of a lot of research, uh, which is ongoing, and and prayer. And prayer was vital because um, I think most uh, um, authors experience times when, uh, you know, I, I, I can't get past this certain point. I want to give up. Lord, if you, don't, if, if you don't want me to continue, I'm willing to stop. I don't want to stop, but I'm willing to. And whenever I, whenever I cried out to him, he always answered in the positive and gave me what I needed. So I believe that uh, God has led me to write this book, and he continues to lead me to write. Well, the timing is good. In fact, uh, folks can find the book on Amazon. Uh, if you go to Amazon, just go to Nations Are God's Idea, and you'll see the front cover, which is a, uh, a picture of a globe with a cross on it, and simply Nations Are God's Idea by James Tasker. This is the first edition that's still available on Amazon. Uh, second printing will be is in production. But, uh, Jim, I look forward to going through this with you because we got some material to cover here. You know, I'm going to page 49, and you quote here from uh, Job. It says, He, God, makes nations great and destroys them. He enlarges nations and guides them. He takes away the understanding of the chiefs of the people of the earth and makes them wander in pathless wilderness. They grope in dark without light, and he makes them stagger like a drunken man. This is from Job 12, 23-25. It is crucial to understand that God is speaking about leaders of nations. Anglicans like to say, as the rector uh, of an individual congregation goes, so goes the Church. That truism also applies to leaders of nations. How important is it, then, that in those nations where people have uh, freedom to elect their representatives, people vote and vote wisely? You know, Jim, I put a little note in here uh, because of what we see happening right now on the southern border. When And, of course, Europe had this problem a few years ago when there was all these uh, immigrants coming in from Africa and from uh, Muslim nations flooding into uh, 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 Europe and Italy and Greece and beyond. If, if the national leaders basically 
fail their people in securing the border. I said this, when a national leader fails in their protection of a border, they have failed in their responsibility to protect the citizenry of that nation and have failed in their role and responsibility, and the people uh, have um, uh, you know, a, a right to basically um, you know, remove them from office. Uh, what we see happening on the southern border uh, is a national crisis right now in the United States. Your thoughts? Oh, absolutely. It's a national crisis. And I should say also that I don't believe that the crisis has stopped in Europe. I think uh, there are still refugees, uh, some with bad intentions, um, are coming across borders um, at record paces. And, uh, of course, this, uh, this, this is one of the ways that sovereignty is destroyed. And, you know, I can't help thinking that what is happening on our southern border here is, is a planned, um, it's planned, and it's planned to destroy our, our sovereignty. Uh, I'm reading here from page 85. It says, The progressive left is quick to charge all those who believe in secure borders with bigotry, Islamophobia, racism, xenophobia. Uh, we've heard these charges because we want um, security on the border. Uh, it goes on to say, With a few exceptions, nothing could be further from the truth. Most people reject open borders because they understand that they live in a hostile world. So you talk uh, also about if we uh, secure our homes at night, when we lock the door, it's, you know, we're trying to protect the people inside. When we secure our borders, we're trying to secure the people of the United States. National leaders like our president, President Biden, has that responsibility and his administration, and they're not uh, basically executing their responsibility. And members of Congress are pointing that out and saying this is a dereliction of duty by President Biden at this time if he doesn't secure the, the southern border. Your thoughts? Yeah, well, it's absolutely, and I don't like want to be partisan on this, but I think it's very clear um, that that Democrats are, are for open borders in general. Uh, I think some Republicans uh, are too, but in general, they're, they're not. Um, we do have to protect um, our our uh, our borders, um, as as you mentioned that I wrote, uh, uh, beginning with homes and farms and all that. We've got to protect those borders, and if we don't. Um, it, it's it's uh, you know I mean God God initiated borders around sovereign nations the his, sovereign nations are his idea he initiated uh, he wants borders to be um, uh, closed uh, so that the people he loves within it, within those borders can can uh, can thrive uh, now why why are there nations and why are there nations borders well if if you look at every nation around the world they're all somewhat different. Some are radically different. Some are just a little bit different than others. Um, and the reason that they're different, that people are different, of course, is because love, God loves variety. Um, and he wants that variety protected. And so um, it's critical that, that we have uh, secure borders. Um, now, there is a, a, a totally different worldview, an opposite worldview, and I believe it, it comes um, straight from... Um, the Marxist game plan, um, and, and, and the object of, um, of, of the game plan of the other worldview is to create as much dissension and division as they possibly can so that, the, so that nations, all nations, can be destroyed, ultimately so that big government can, can take control, uh, tell people what to do, um, and uh, ultimately, I believe, it's a, it's a one-world government situation.
Now, reading here again in page 85 in your book, uh, Nations Are God's Idea, Citizens and Sojourners. Nations' boundaries are designed by God to protect the unique people living within from predatory outsiders who covet, sometimes invade, and shatter the peace necessary for thriving. Therefore, it is incumbent on all nations to establish common-sense immigration policies that keep bad actors out and enable migration that benefits their people and culture from within. Now, you yourself, of course, are a U.S. citizen, but yeah, you came from New Zealand, and on page 89 you talk about in the early 1970s, you came to the United States on a student visa, and of course there were rules and regulations as a green card, what you were able to do, what you were not able to do. You are thankful, you express that in the book, of being able to... Um, uh, take in education in the university in America, but understood that there was restrictions, and you appreciated that, that uh, the United States uh, basically has laws, and you respected those laws as a temporary resident. Uh, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, well, I, um, as, as you've mentioned, and as I say in the book, I really uh, do appreciate, I, I mean, um, I, I in, in my own country at the time, Australia, I obviously appreciated um, that the, the government leaders did their best to protect um, their citizens, and uh, so when I came here, I saw this in action, and I and I thought this is this is right, this is absolutely right um, that government should do this, and I'm, I'm I'm so pleased that I was able to come and study in America, and um, actually I I am a um, as you said I am now a citizen of America. I, I was able to uh, stay in by following the laws and applying for citizenship. And I, I believe that, uh, that America um, still is, uh, may not be for much longer if, we, if some, something is not done or God doesn't do something, but I believe America is, is the greatest country in, in the world and that, that the world has ever seen, actually. Well, th- again, uh, thank you. And, you know, when we think about that... Um, God sets up these borders and nations and peoples and languages and cultures. It is for the unique and variety that he enjoys uh, on earth among people. Uh, But, you know, it's not saying that we're not for proper immigration, and you make that clear in the book when you're quoting from Exodus chapter 22, and you state, uh, as you're quoting the Scripture, "...you shall neither mistreat a stranger nor oppress him, for you were strangers in the land of Egypt." This is uh, from uh, the book of Exodus in the Old Testament, God speaking to his Jewish people, and it goes on to say, "...if a stranger dwells with you in your land, you shall not mistreat him. The stranger who dwells among you, you shall be to you as..." one born among you, and you shall love him as yourself, for you yourself were strangers in the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. That's Leviticus 19, 33 and 34. You shall not oppress, again, reading from the Scripture, you shall not oppress a stranger, for you uh, know the heart of it. Uh, for you know the heart of a stranger, because you were strangers in the land of Egypt, Exodus 23, 9. So God is telling his people uh, to treat strangers that are among them with kindness uh, certainly. Now, you know, and, and so we have an immigration pro, uh, process in this country, and we welcome people. That's what the Statue of Liberty stands for in New York Harbor, um, and it's, it's, it's welcoming people. But like my uh, ancestors, both uh, the Irish and the Italian, I'm both, uh, uh, my father was Italian, my mother's Irish, uh, both of them came from Europe uh, over 100 years ago, 
and uh, they came through Ellis Island, and they came through processing, and uh, you know they didn't come to live off the dole, as it were. They came to make a living and scratch out a living and make a you know a way in the United States, and that's exactly what they did, and then we welcome that in this country. But what we have today, Jim, is far different, and we have a political ideology on the political left that is abusing the privileges of immigration, and they're allowing illegals to pour in over the border. We don't know who these people are, and currently it is causing a crisis. You know, we're seeing an uptick in coronavirus uh, uh, spread this summer right now with the Delta variant. And some are talking in Congress that these illegals that are being trafficked around the country, transported by the U.S. government of the Biden administration, in fact, they're right here in Northeast Ohio, is uh, these folks, we they didn't go through pro, uh, proper processing, they didn't go through health checks, and there's a report out of Texas that one sheriff said, we have a whole host of these illegal immigrants that came in, they're currently being housed at a local hotel, all of which have COVID-19. So, you know, here on one end, the Biden administration is saying we're going to have new enforcement of face mask mandates, uh, you know, again, with the the vaccines and people are making the choice whether to get vaccinated or not to get vaccinated. And for health reasons, some are choosing not to get vaccinated. And so but yet you have this. They're hypocritical because they have illegal immigrants coming in literally by the hundreds of thousands, Jim. They're estimated that over a million will be in through the uh, illegally over the border this year alone, and they're trafficking them all over the country. Nobody knows where they're going, but they're, they're, most likely they are bringing the COVID-19 with them, and it's, uh, it's actually creating another spread. But the federal government's not talking about that, and this is where federal government fails in protecting the citizenry. And that's why in your book you talk about the importance of borders and security and God's idea for nation. Uh, your thoughts on that? Yeah, there, there are a couple of things here. Um, first of all, um, we have to deal with rule of law. Okay, there there is a lawless going on. We we have we have pretty good immigration laws, or they could they certainly can be improved, but they're pretty good. And so, um, as you say, the Biden administration is disobeying their own law. And um, so that's, that's the first thing. And certainly, uh, God is not in favor of, of, of good law, true law, proper law being um, violated. But the second thing is, um, in, in these, um, in these uh, uh, pa- passages that I quote from um, Exodus and Leviticus, uh, Deuteronomy, I think, um, when, 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 when um, God is talking about the stranger, He's not talking about an illegal immigrant. They're not strangers. Uh, they're, they're not the strangers aren't illegal immigrants, and we know this because because these verses refer back to when Israel was in Egypt, and Egypt uh, Israel did not come down into Egypt as illegal as illegal immigrants. They came as as uh, immigrants that were given permission by the Pharaoh through Joseph, and so. Um, that, that's that's the second point here, and I think many Christians even are, are tricked by this. Um, they, you know, and I, I think much of it is out of compassion. But when compassion um, breaks the law, good law, then it's not really compassion. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Well, that's right. And you know, when we think of the nations and how e- each nation is distinct, and we're seeing it play out really 
uh, the celebration of nations at, at the Olympics right now with all the different competing uh, athletes from all over the world and, and basically competing with pride under their flag. And when they go to the podium and they win the gold, well, their national anthem is played. And that's the spirit of uh, unity and brotherhood uh, of what the Olympics stand for. And so that's that's something positive to look to. But what we see in the violation of uh, the sovereignty of nations is going on at our southern border. And when we see the disrespecting of the flag, this is what really causes people to uh, really grimace and really uh, it saddens them to see that their, their flag or their national anthem is denigrated by someone. Uh, and that, that's not uh, what God I, God's idea is at all. And uh, we are to pray for the nations. In fact, uh, Jesus said, he sent the disciples forth in Matthew 28, uh, 18 through 20, uh, verse 19, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. So, you know, Jim, when you talk about that nations are God's idea, and you did so such great research on this book, and I encourage people to get it. Again, uh, you can find it on Amazon. It's uh, called Nations Are God's Idea by uh, uh, Pastor Jim Tasker. That's James Tasker. And um, Jim, just some final thoughts as we're uh, uh, running out of time here on the book. Your thoughts? Yeah, okay. So um, what what the primary problem that, that I see is that um, truth is not being taught in a lot of our churches, including evangelical churches. It's being avoided, or uh, just which just not taught. And so there are set, there are some things that that uh, that we need to do. Um, first of all, that we understand that we're in two totally different worldview. Uh, there are two totally different worldviews here. We're in a huge war, and a lot of people don't even understand that. And if they do understand it, they don't know what to do. So what I would suggest is that we get informed, but we don't seek it from the established media media that we used to trust. Uh, they are just pandering lies in general. Uh, secondly, understand what our Creator thinks about this. Uh, he knows all about us, what is best for us, because He created us, uh, and He and and He has a position on every issue that we are fa- facing today. All these issues that we hear about, uh, He has a He has a position. Okay. Um, Let's see. Um, I think what we what what Christians need to do, and this is also for people of, of common sense who may not call themselves Christians, urge urge your pastor to understand the culture and spirit, cultural and spiritual lies, and if he or she is not doing it, urge them to deal with them. Um, pray. Um, another one is pray like you are not going to do anything about this crisis in a nation, and work hard as if you were not praying. Okay. Um, don't be deceived in that you cannot do anything. And um, vote for people who, who hold most closely to biblical values. I can't emphasize that enough. Well, Jim, you did such a great job on this book. Again, the book is Nations Are God's Idea by James Tasker, and you can find it on Amazon. Just go to Amazon and then uh, put in the search bar, Nations Are God's Idea. It's available there. There will also be an updated uh uh, publication of the book as well if, if you find it that it's uh, sold out. Uh, there's another uh, uh, printing that's coming forward. Jim, thanks for being my guest today. Thank you so much for having me, Chris. Thank you. God bless you, my friend. God bless you, too.
And if you missed any of today's program, you can hear it in its entirety at our website at ohioca.org. Stay tuned. We're going to be hearing from Max Miller, who is a candidate for the 16th Congressional District, uh, which is happening next year in the primary, but you want to get acquainted with him. That's coming up next. Almighty God, our sons, pride of our nation, this day have set upon a mighty endeavor, a struggle to preserve our republic, our religion, and our civilization, and to set free a suffering humanity. And the soldiers who stormed the beaches of Normandy and the Allied liberation of Europe, on D-Day, all those warriors set out on their mission President Franklin Delano Roosevelt led our nation in prayer. The D-Day Prayer Project is an effort to add FDR's D-Day Prayer in its entirety at the World War II Memorial in Washington, D.C. This wonderful historical presidential prayer will be a lasting tribute to our World War II veterans. If you'd like to make a contribution towards the effort of adding this prayer to the memorial, go to the website at ddayprayerproject.org. That's ddayprayerproject.org. I'm Johnette Cruz, and I'm a busy mom. Then a friend told me about TrustBlueReview.com, a new website powered by the Christian Blue Network. She uses it to find trusted Christian-owned businesses. I checked it out, read the helpful reviews, and found a great family dentist. Now I use TrustBlueReview for all my family's needs. For peace of mind, do what I did. Visit TrustBlueReview.com or download their free mobile app from your app store today. The trusted source for all you do. Trust Blue Review. Will my kids like this dentist? Can I trust this mechanic? Who's a good choice for my upcoming remodel? I found businesses I can trust from TrustBlueReview.com. This company rebuilt our deck and renovated our bathroom. I'd highly recommend them to anyone looking to hire an honest contractor. The best dentist experience I've ever had. It's now easy to find trusted businesses in my community that have the same Christian values as my family. It all starts at TrustBlueReview.com or download their app in the App Store today. The trusted source for all you do. Trust The following is a previously aired broadcast. Welcome to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. Stay tuned for an analysis and conversation about the issues that matter most to you and your family. Here now with this week's edition of News in Focus is Chris Long. And good afternoon and welcome to this edition of News and Focus. We're glad that you've joined us. We have a special guest that we're going to be interviewing this half hour. Uh, But first, we want to tell you about our voter guide that's available on our website. For those of you in the 15th Congressional District, uh, last week you know that we had a guest on, Mike Carey, who's a candidate for the 15th Congressional District. That also, that radio interview is on our website, as well as the voter guide of those candidates that responded to the Ohio Christian Alliance candidate survey. Even if you're not in the 15th, but you want to see the kinds of questions that we're asking the, the candidates at this time, these are critical issues for our country and for our state. And so uh, four of the 11 responded to the Ohio Christian Alliance candidate survey. They are in the voter guide. That's being distributed to the 15th Congressional District special primary August 3rd. Uh, that seat is open because Steve Stivers, the congressman, stepped down. 
retired early, and uh, those folks need a replacement. So that's what this special primary is all about. Also, the 11th Congressional District, and we're going to hear from Laverne Goer, who is a candidate for that special primary, a little bit this hour. But first of all, I want to also tell you about our upcoming Ohio Christian Alliance Freedom Banquet. It's going to be Friday, September 17th. That's Constitution Day on the calendar, and that's going to be at the Akron Fairlawn Hilton. Our keynote speaker is going to be Bill Fetter, author and historian. He's going to be talking about socialism and his new book about socialism uh, from Plato all the way to the present day and why we're fighting it in this country now. Well, listen, this is going to be a great evening as we celebrate our 30 years of service to the people of faith in the state of Ohio. You won't want to miss that. You can register for the banquet on our website at ohioca.org. Well, I want to get to our guest. His name is Max Miller. He was a White House staff uh, senior advisor to President Trump from 2016 to 2020. He served all four years. He is a Cleveland native. He is a graduate of Cleveland State University and also a U.S. Uh, Marine uh, reservist as he served us in the U.S. Uh, Marines. And with me on the phone is Max Miller. Max, welcome to the program. Hey, Chris. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. Well, thank you, Max. And again, thank you for your service to our country by serving President Trump in those four years in Washington. And I look forward to, to asking you some questions because I think the role that you played uh, as you and I had coffee, I was very, uh, I'll tell you, very pr- felt very proud as an Ohioan that uh, a fellow Ohioan was able to serve the president in such an important role in the White House. But first of all, let's talk a little bit about your background. You're you're a Clevelander. This is this is home for you. Tell us a, a little bit about yourself. So, yeah, no, I am from Cleveland. I grew up my entire life in northeastern Ohio. Uh, went to high school in, in Shaker, and then I graduated from Cleveland State University. But you know, as I was going through high school and even at Cleveland State. My dad has a menu hat, menu hat manufacturing business on Carnegie uh, called Graffiti, and I would grow up working in his warehouse. And it gave me great insight you know, on just how to be a better person, uh, you know, and how to have my left and right lateral limits in terms of operating and really just seeing you know, what hard work is really like. I, mean, I, I don't know too many individuals who have a work ethic like my father. He wakes up every morning uh, at 4 a.m., and he comes home around 7 or 8. Kind of reminds me of uh, President Donald J. Trump in terms of how he would work every single day. So in terms of being a great role model, uh, both my mother and father were, as they both worked in the business. And then shortly thereafter, graduating from Cleveland State, I enlisted in the Marine Corps uh, in the Reserves after I had my degree. And everyone thought I was crazy because they said, ah, I should be an officer. And you know, I really wanted to serve in the capacity of the infantry. So I enlisted by a six-year active reserve contract to enacted uh, in the infantry. So I went to Paris Island. I uh, did boot camp there. Then I went to SOI Camp Geiger, which is a satellite at Camp Lejeune. And then I reported to my reserve duty. And ever since, uh, right after that, I was going to get my MBA. And my cousin called and you know had an opportunity to, to jump in the political sphere. And it's something that I really wanted to do. So I started volunteering at the time for Senator Rubio. Uh, after three months of volunteering, I said, hey, Senator, you got to give me a paycheck. I can't, uh, I, can, you know, I can't keep on doing this for free. And so we did. And just fast-forwarding about eight months, I got a phone call from Corey Lewandowski in early in 2016, and he said, I, I hear you don't suck at your job, uh, which was a very flattering way of him making me a job offer. And, you know, I flew right up uh, to New York, and, and that's how it started. And in February 2016, I started working from the Trump campaign 
uh, and I never left. Uh, and then, you know, the president brought me to the White House, and two years in, he made me the youngest director of advance. And this goes to more of your story of what I was able to do. I know a lot of people don't know, it sounds like a fancy title, but really what that job entails. But I took care and, and oversaw every single trip from about, I'd have to, when I got appointed to be director of advance, I believe it was at some point in 2019, uh, every time the president left uh, the 18 acres or the gates of the White House, I was responsible for overseeing and managing that trip, working with the White House military office and Secret Service, as well as White House staff on the ground to make sure that the president was always safe, always taken care of, and that every event was executed uh, to the best of our ability. And that even entailed negotiation uh, overseas. So we would do something called a pre-advance, which is go about a month before the president would go with a very small group, and we would negotiate with foreign delegations and foreign nations on what the president would and would not do. And some of those uh, I remember very well, like when I went to North Korea, even that morning before the president crossed the line to DMZ, a very small group of us went over into North Korea for the negotiations to iron out everything. And there's some things I really want to tell everyone, but I can't. But I was there. I was in country in North Korea negotiating with the North Koreans on behalf of the president of the United States, uh, as well as my boss, uh, who was the deputy chief of staff of operations. And we hammered everything out. And it was a great visit. And I also did visits to Iraq, uh, Afghanistan, Japan, Israel. Uh, we, we've been all over. And I'm very proud of what I was able to do in my time in the White House and serving under President Donald J. Trump, but more importantly, the American people. And there were some decisions that I had to make that could have been costly. I remember we were in the West Bank, and they, you know, the Palestinians wanted to put the Palestinian flag on the president's limo. And we, as this country, we do not recognize the state of Palestine as a state whatsoever. Uh, there is no state of Palestine. We don't recognize them. It's the West Bank. But if I would have given the green light to put their flag on the president's limo, that would have signaled to the world that we do recognize them. So it's something that could be that small that could have such, you know, great and large impact on the world as we know it. These are the decisions that I had to make. Uh, and then very briefly right after that, the president wanted me to serve as the deputy campaign manager of operations on his presidential run. And then shortly after that, he brought me back as a senior advisor and I had a very great personal relationship with the president, uh, you know, not only working relationship, but a personal one. Um, and he was able to teach me, you know, things that I wouldn't have been able to learn otherwise. Well, Max, uh, that's incredible. I mean, in fact, I've talked to a lot of people over the years. I've uh, been working with the Ohio Christian Alliance and Christian Coalition of Ohio back to 2002. I've talked to a lot of political leaders. I've actually met with presidential candidates over the years and people that have worked in and out of the White House. I really never have talked to someone uh, really like the kind of work that you're doing. And uh, some some folks similar, but not really uh, at your age to be on the advance team before a presidential visit. And I'm talking about some really important theaters of operation. We're talking about Iraq and Afghanistan, of course, where we still had troops on the ground. And the president would, of course, visit with the troops, but he was meeting with uh, foreign uh, nationals at, at the same time. Uh, these were important historic meetings. You were part of the advance team. You were helping to to organize that. And knowing how President Trump works, I mean, he had a very small presidential staff compared to other presidents throughout the years. So we know that if you were doing this work, you were doing a lot of work. And our hats are off to you, sir. And what I want to say about the work that you did in the Middle East and 
you know, of course, Jared and, and the Abraham Accords, you know, as a supporter of Israel, and of course, our organization supports the state of Israel, and we pray for the peace of Jerusalem, we pray for the Israeli people. And, you know, to think about how President Trump did what many presidents promised to do, but did not, the previous presidents did not do, and that is to recognize Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. And I had the privilege and opportunity the year before the 70th anniversary, always during the 70th anniversary, to visit Israel with Christians United for Israel. What a wonderful trip that was. I'd been wanting to get to Israel for almost 40 years of ministry, and Kufi provided the opportunity. What a wonderful trip it was. And uh, to visit to the north and to visit, uh, you know, on the Syrian border in the, in the, uh, the heights, in the Golan Heights, and, and to be in Jerusalem, and of course, uh, you know, to be on um, uh, before the Wailing Wall and, and to take in Shabbat with the Israeli people, which is a wonderful experience. But when I think about how we went by the embassy that was going to be the embassy uh, that, you know, is the consulate, but it was going to be now the embassy later that year dedicated as the recognition of uh, Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. Tell us a little bit about that. President Trump did something that every former president said that they were going to do, then kick it back to Congress, and then he'd have to sign a waiver extending. He wasn't afraid to stand by the Jewish people and move the embassy to Jerusalem. And I applaud the president and his accomplishments with Jared on the Abraham Accords. You know, he took an approach that no other administration in this country has taken, and that is to unify, you know, the outside Arab nations with Israel and kind of leave the West Bank on, on its own island. And it worked beautifully. And now, as, ever, as everyone has, has seen to this point, now there's an Israeli embassy in the UAE. These, this is something that no one had ever even dreamed about. And everyone called him crazy, and they called Jared crazy. But at the end of the day, those two individuals were spot on in their assessment and their approach and how they think that they should handle this. And we're seeing that pay off right now. And now, unfortunately, since Joe Biden has been in office, and he's been nothing but a feckless leader, you now see the state of Israel under attack by Hamas. And we can, you know, we can thank his dereliction of duty and not protecting Israel and standing by them other than saying a few nice words. But I want everyone to remember, Hamas isn't a wealthy terrorist organization. They are a terrorist organization. That money is being funneled to them by Iran and probably a lot of other foreign enemies that we have. But unfortunately, thanks to President Obama, we gave Iran, you know, billions of dollars that they then give to Hamas. And now over 3,000 rockets have been fired at Israel. And all, you know, President Joe Biden can do is just say nice things. So we never, you know, with Joe Biden, we're lost. But with President Trump, we were always locked on. We always knew what direction we were headed in. And we always knew we had a leader who was unafraid to make the tough decision. And we see that binary choice right now with everything that's going on with the border, election integrity, China, and how they're infiltrating our country. And now they've assembled the largest Navy. I mean, when you talk about Everything else in foreign policy, I mean, that can be quite scary if China decides to move on Taiwan and what our approach is going to be. And then is Russia going to start, you know, licking their lips and saying, well, we can go after Ukraine because the United States isn't going to do anything. And then we can find ourselves on an island. So once again, circling back, President Trump was unafraid to make the tough decisions, always stood by his gut, always felt it, went with his intuition. And his intuition, as we can see now, it was always right. You know, when I consider this, Max, that, you know, President Trump was, um, he, he actually was a doer of his word. And what do we mean by that? As a Christian conservative, 
and uh, being in the role of the president of the Ohio Christian Alliance and, and looking at a lot of candidates over the years and hearing their pledges and promises during the campaign that never somehow ever became to fruition. They just were never able to get it done. President Trump did more in four years than most presidents do in eight. Uh, that administration got so much done domestically and, and internationally and even with strengthening our military uh, because the military was decimated by the time he got it uh, after it was defunded. Uh, one of the previous uh, uh, admirals and generals uh, were talking about during the Obama years that uh, the greatest uh, threat we have right now is basically the deficits we're running and that uh, we're not able to, to afford our military. We're not paying for it. And so when the president got in, one of the things he did was really ramp up uh, spending and expansion of the military. And we're going to need it. As you said, you, you mentioned China. China's on the move in the South China Sea, and, and uh, they may be making a move on Taiwan. I was reading it in Epoch Times today. Uh, there's a great fear of that, uh, that China is on the move, becoming more aggressive. Uh, the Russians are also uh, doing some saber rattling. Uh, they said that they didn't want the U.S. to put any of the supersonic missiles into Europe and that that would be considered an overt act uh, and that uh, there would be uh, consequences to that. So these are times in which uh, th this is no time to really slough off. This is a really dangerous time. And we've got a president currently, Mr. Biden, who is showing some, uh, really, quite honestly, those of us who have had family members who have had dementia, he's had some lapses. There's, there was a number of generals, I think it was 125 previous retired generals and admirals, who signed a letter uh, questioning his uh, cognitive skills as president. Uh, your thoughts on that? Look, I think that they're spot on. And, and Joe Biden is definitely not all there. I mean, look, when I was leading the uh, presidential debate commissions on behalf of the president on the campaign, and I got to meet uh, the former vice president at that point, I've never seen an individual that looks so weak and so frail. And I'm not just saying that because I'm playing into somebody's weird conspiracy theories. It's just factual information and factual things that I saw with my own eyes. And when you look at him behind the podium and you look at kind of the lapses in terms of when he speaks and how long goes by before he can finish a sentence, it's really disturbing. And those generals and, and everyone, they're spot on. What made President Trump so great is he was always on. There wasn't a point when he was president that he was ever off. And one of the greatest things about him that maybe people don't like so much, but he always kept people guessing. And that is why the United States remained a force, not only in this country, but around the globe. And we were still respected because foreign enemies didn't know what to do with him. I mean, look, look what he did with Soleimani. No one would have taken that chance, but President Trump did. And so then you had all these other guys like Kim Jong-un and other dictators, and even Vladimir Putin probably like, wow, well, if this guy's willing to do that, well, you know, we probably don't want to go ahead and take the chance of doing something stupid. And that's what he was able to do. But what you're seeing from President Biden right now is he's not really leading the country. I, I mean, in my opinion, neither is Kamala Harris. And we have to really wonder who is the individual behind the curtain, and is that President Obama? Uh, because we know he's still with it, and we see a lot of his policies coming back. A lot of his personnel are uh, are in the White House as staffers with President Biden. So it does lead you to believe that Mr. Obama, the former president, is having a say behind the scenes, because Mr. 
President Biden does seem like he's making the decisions. Others are making the decisions for him. And there's been plenty of examples. I mean, he says things like, oh, I'm going to get in trouble for that. Or, you know, like somebody's actually, uh, he's under guardianship. It's, it's, it's really strange. I mean, look, we have compassion for the man. And of course, as the scriptures say, we pray for him. But at the same time, we're talking about the presidency. We're talking about the executive that has to take make decisions, moment-by-moment decisions for national security, including the nuclear football. I mean, look, you know, the national media can uh, play uh, footsie all they want and not throw him any hardball questions or ask the serious questions. The American people are not stupid. I know you've been working the district in the 16th. What are people telling you about the status of things, Max? They're extremely worried. And this has always been a talking point Republicans and both Democrats have used about saying this election is everything. Well, yes, we've been saying that for years and years and years. But people need to wake up because this election actually is everything. And I'm not just saying that because it's a cute talking point. I'm saying it because if you look at what's going on right now with cancel culture and critical race theory and some people, you know, within our own state not going through with Title IX, it's embarrassing. I mean, these are real issues that we need to focus in on and get people mobilized and out there. Because unfortunately, you know, I would love to tell people that one time to federal legislation that will help ban CRT. But absolutely not. We don't want any more government in our lives. People need to wake up and get invigorated and motivated and say, I don't want to teach my son, you know, that he needs to feel guilty because he's inherently white, or I don't need to teach my son because he's black that people need to treat him nicer or better. I mean, literally, I went to Shaker Heights High School. I believe it was over 50% uh, minority. I never looked at my friends for one second and ever thought, man, you look different than I do. Because I didn't see color of skin. I saw a person. That's right. You teach, but when you teach kids to look at color of skin instead of the individual, you yourself are creating racist ideology in that young man or young woman's life. And these are the things that we have to fight and fight every day for. So to answer your question, top line issues right now are those. Not to mention, everyone is extremely worried, besides that we're headed into, you know, uh, um, you know, being a Marxist nation, but open borders. And election integrity. These are these are issues that we really need to solidify to make sure we stand strong. And that's why I'm running for Congress. You know, Anthony Gonzalez took a vote about a month and a half ago uh, for the farm workers bill for I believe it was over one million illegal immigrants to gain to gain amnesty to this country. Oh my! So to put that into perspective, uh, and we're gonna, you know, at a time where our border is just wide open and it's a humanitarian crisis and a national disaster. You cannot take votes like that. There's a time and place for everything. And if our nation thinks that we can benefit and that this will help our economy in time to come, then so be it. And maybe you can take another calculated approach to that issue and that piece of legislation. But now is not the time to be doing that. You can evaluate that later on. I mean, it said, I believe, the other day, and I'm sure the number will only get higher, but 1.1 million illegal immigrants will enter into this country this year under President Biden. Now, to put that into perspective, Chris, the largest county in Ohio is 1.2 million, or just above it. I mean, if you frame it like that so people can really see it, then that makes a difference. It's all about messaging, and we need to get better at that. Well, we do. That's exactly right. Almighty God, our sons, pride of our nation, this day have set upon a mighty endeavor, a struggle to preserve our republic, our religion, and our civilization and to set free a suffering humanity. 
and the soldiers who stormed the beaches of Normandy and the Allied liberation of Europe. On D-Day, all those warriors set out on their mission. President Franklin Delano Roosevelt led our nation in prayer. The D-Day Prayer Project is an effort to add FDR's D-Day Prayer in its entirety at the World War II Memorial in Washington, D.C. This wonderful historical presidential prayer will be a lasting tribute to our World War II veterans. If you'd like to make a contribution towards the effort of adding this prayer to the memorial, go to the website at ddayprayerproject.org. That's ddayprayerproject.org. Will my kids like this dentist? Can I trust this mechanic? Who's a good choice for my upcoming remodel? I found businesses I can trust from TrustBlueReview.com. This company rebuilt our deck and renovated our bathroom. I'd highly recommend them to anyone looking to hire an honest contractor. The best dentist experience I've ever had. It's now easy to find trusted businesses in my community that have the same Christian values as my family. It all starts at TrustBlueReview.com or download their app in the App Store today. The trusted source for all you do. Trust We're talking with Max Miller. He has announced that he will be a candidate in the 16th Congressional District primary, and that will be happening in 2022. And he's working uh, the district right now and talking to people all around the 16th Congressional District. He has been endorsed by former President Donald Trump, who said this, Max Miller is a wonderful person who did a great job at the White House and will be a fantastic congressman. He is a Marine veteran and a son of Ohio and a true patriot. The president went on to say current Representative Anthony Gonzalez should not be representing the people of the 16th District because he does not represent their interest of their, of, of, or their heart. Max Miller has my complete and total endorsement that came from President Trump. And, of course, he was here in the, the rally in Lorraine just a few weeks ago and emphasized, reemphasized his endorsement of you, Max. And so we're so glad that you came on the program and making yourself accessible to the voters. How can people follow you on your website? They can follow me at votemaxmiller.com. I also have a Twitter handle, MaxMillerOH. And then we're also right now in the process of developing our Facebook and Instagram. But as well, you know, I'll be at some events even uh, you know, this week. I have a Medina meet and greet tomorrow from 11 to 1. Uh, Friday, uh, sorry, Saturday, excuse me, I'll be at the Medina picnic. Uh, at noon, and then I'll be at the Lincoln Day Dinner in Summit County. And then on Sunday, I'll be at the at the Parma Picnic. So I am out there. I encourage everyone to come out. i uh, love to meet everyone uh, in district or even outside of the district to get people motivated, uh, you know, to go to the voting booth. And not only go to the voting booth, but help stop some of these dangerous Marxist socialist policies that are infiltrating our country. As I had said before, we really, every, it, it, I mean, it really does, t- it's a team effort here. Not one person can do it alone. And people need to realize and wake up you know, from this woke culture that's going on all around us and take action. Because if we don't, we will lose our nation. You know, America, we haven't been around that long. And we've seen very powerful countries fall. And we don't want to do that. And I personally am not going to sit by and watch it happen. Max, I want to thank you for coming on the program. I also want to thank you for your service to the White House and to our country by serving President Trump as a senior advisor and one who led the advanced teams uh, and worked with advanced teams as he went and met with international leaders. What a great role that you played. And again, thank you for your service uh, to our country in that way. Thank you so much. Thank you, Chris. I appreciate being on. Thank you. All right. God bless you, my friend. Well, I'll see you Saturday night because I'm going to be at that uh, banquet as well. I've been invited to give the invocation that evening. I'm looking forward to it. 
Awesome. I'll see you there. We'll see you then. Thank you. Well, again, if you missed any of today's program and our interview with Max Miller, you can hear it in its entirety at our website at ohioca.org. It's also on podcast on our platform. And again, just search Ohio Christian Alliance or go to ohioca.org. You have been listening to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. To learn more about the issues that matter most to you and your family, visit online at ohioca.org. That's ohioca.org. Thank you for listening. This program is sponsored by the Ohio Christian Alliance of Akron, Ohio.